From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will provide insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, World Concord. The text is found in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Oh, that these happy times were come! At present the nations are heavily armed, and are inventing weapons more and more terrible, as if the chief end of man could only be answered by destroying myriads of his fellows. Yet peace will prevail one day. Yes, and so prevail that the instruments of destruction shall be beaten into other shapes and used for better purposes. How will this come about? By trade? By civilization? By arbitration? We do not believe it. Past experience forbids our trusting to means so feeble. Peace will be established only by the reign of the Prince of Peace. He must teach the people by His Spirit, renew their hearts by His grace, and reign over them by his supreme power, and then will they cease to wound and kill. Man is a monster when once his blood is up, and only the Lord Jesus can turn this lion into a lamb. By changing man's heart, his bloodthirsty passions are removed. Let every reader of this book of promises offer special prayer today to the Lord and giver of peace, that he would speedily put an end to war and establish concord over the whole world.
as God's people prepare to enter into the Christmas season, they meet with much that distracts and detracts from what should be the main focus of this joyous time of year, the incarnation of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Too often, the demands of holiday traditions and the increasing secularization of this special time obscure the glad news of the angels. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, Let the Bible Speak is happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 Christmas devotions, each including a short scripture reading and a concluding portion that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. By phone, call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may write Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas today. this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to look at the theme of Christ and the Holy Family. In our text, Mark chapter 3, we find the Lord Jesus teaching the multitudes who gathered around him. At some point, his mother and his brethren came and wanted him to come out to them. Their motivation was to convince him to stop what he was doing, for in their minds he was bad. These brethren were his brothers and sisters whom Mary had borne after Christ's birth. The Lord Jesus ignored their pleas, pointing to those who followed him as his true family. 
Thankfully, Christ's brethren did come to receive him as their Savior in the days following his resurrection from the dead. As Dr. Cairns will emphasize, Mary herself was part of the effort to impede Christ's ministry, and he did not listen to her, effectively showing the fallacy of the idea of worshiping her. As the Scriptures constantly proclaim, the only way to God is through Christ and His shed blood. Now Dr. Cairns will bring the next portion of this message, Christ and the Holy Family. I think that scene gives a deep insight, a new insight into the words of John 1, verse 11. He came to his own. The idea is his own place. And his own people received him not. He came to his own place. He came home. That's the idea. He came home to the place where he ought to have been received and recognized, and his own people received him not. Now, that's certainly true of the Jewish nation as a whole, but it is poignantly and pointedly true here of the immediate blood relations of Mary and his brethren. You stop and think of that for a moment, and you'll see the depths of human depravity and blindness. Blindness. Did ever you have a better commentary than this on the words of Isaiah? When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Blindness. Some people think, if only I could say better words, if only I could get the right scripture, if only I had the right answer, if only I had a better attitude or a sweeter smile or a nicer disposition when I witnessed to that sinner or that loved one, surely I could make them see. We were singing this morning about salvation being of God. Here's one reason it has to be, for if it's not, we'll all be damned. The Lord Jesus lived before these people with the sinless beauty of heaven about him. And they didn't recognize him. They thought him mad. And blindness shows you the insanity of sin. And I use that word carefully. The utter, absolute insanity of sin. Here they could look at God manifested in the flesh. And here he has come to the full exercise of his powers and the full demonstration of his glory through his works. He says, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Believe me, at least for the work's sake. Look at what I'm doing. Who else has given sight to the blind? Who else has with a word made the lame to walk? Who else has unplugged the ears of the deaf? Who else has spoken and the dead have lived? Believe me. And yet, such is the insanity of sin that they could look at wisdom incarnate and say, this is madness. This is madness. 
What depravity. Total depravity. Every faculty so depraved as to reject the revealed Son of God. The depths of human depravity and blindness. And if I may anticipate later scriptures, the sovereignty of divine grace, for these are the very people who came to know and love and serve the Lord Jesus. What made the difference? Grace and only grace. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, shined in their hearts to give them the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what made the difference. It's no use us... uh, sitting in judgment on these people, because I want to tell you, had you or I been there, we would not have been one bit better. We share by nature the blindness. In fact, in the case of people like you and me, it's even more pronounced. Now, you have a completed Bible. You have the revelation of God, a book in which there throbs the vitality of deity. No matter men, how men try to cloak it or corrupt it, the Bible is a living word. It is an inspired word. It is a God-breathed word. You have that in your possession. You read it, you hear it, you receive it. And yet, There's some of you here this morning and you still can see no beauty in Christ. When you hear the message of the gospel, you dismiss it. This is madness. How insane. When you act the lunatic and you accuse those who present you with eternal truth of madness, the same thing. But when we look at this earthly family and see it's not the holy family, I think you can see the goodness of God in providing us a record that forever demolishes the cult of Mary. I think the Lord put this in here because knowing full well that there would come a time when the church would be plagued by Maryolatry when Mary would be held up as the queen of heaven and co-mediatrix with Christ, our co-redemptrix. Those are the terms in which the Church of Rome speaks of Mary. Not only the Church of Rome, the Orthodox churches, so-called. Many branches of the Anglican Communion. Many in the World Council of Churches. This is a very widespread error and heresy. And what they are saying is that Mary cooperated with the Lord Jesus in purchasing our redemption. That Mary was born without sin, lived without sin, and somehow participated by her sorrow and her suffering as a mother, she entered into the purchase of our redemption. And therefore, Mary is to be worshipped. Now, it is true to say that in Roman Catholicism, there is the 
a distinction between uh, levels of worship. There is a worship that is called dulia. There's another that is called latria. There is a worship that belongs to people like Mary. There's a worship that belongs only to God. But of course, that's splitting hairs that don't exist. When a soul comes to worship spiritually, I would suggest it is incapable of such hairline distinctions. But there is no kind of worship due to what Mary is doing here. She came not to help, but to hinder the work of Christ. She came not to advance, but to stop the work of Christ. She came not to praise him, but to put him down and say he was mad. How foolish then, the cult of Mary. And how useless to depend on the prayers of Mary. Of course, Mary knows better. Mary is not interceding. Like every other saint in heaven, she can leave that to the great advocate himself, the Lord Jesus. But how useless to be praying to Mary. I was told I, I used to talk a lot about the things of God to a man who came to our home every week. He, he delivered fresh vegetables and things like that and fresh fish and that sort of thing. He had a little business uh, on the side. On the other side, he was the Northern Irish professional lightweight boxing champion and trying to get a shot at the British title and a bit more money. Jerry Smith was his name. Jerry and I, I don't know if Jerry's alive or dead, Jerry and I used to have many a long conversation. And uh, this is one thing Jerry would say. You know, we go through Mary, not because we, we worship Mary as God, but because she's the mother of Jesus, and he'll never turn a deaf ear to his mother. He'll hear her, so if I can get Mary to listen to me, Jesus will listen to her. Seems a whole lot simpler to be scriptural and get Jesus to listen to me. But did he always listen to her? She came calling, come out. He stayed in. She came calling, stop this. He continued this. How foolish is the cult of Mary. We can also learn something for ourselves. I'll not go into it much in detail because we have been looking at it last Sunday evening and we'll touch a little on it tonight. And that's the absolute uselessness of depending on blood or privileges to gain access to Christ or favor with God. These people came expecting to get in because they were blood relations. Jesus said, no. Why? And this will lead us to the second main point but because in John chapter 1, verse 13, he tells us about the people of God, and he says, which were born not of blood. That's what they were depending on. They were born not of blood, but of God. How foolish to depend then 
on anything but the blood of Christ to save you. Can I put it to you very bluntly? If these people couldn't get to Christ because they were in the same earthly family, why on earth do you think you would ever get the favor of God because you're a Presbyterian or a Free Presbyterian or a Baptist or a Roman Catholic or a Greek Orthodox or a Methodist or any... Why would you think that that would get you to God? Why would you think that any earthly position or privilege would get you to God? We live in an age of so much learning and yet so much utter rank stupidity. When people who ought to know better imagine that the God of heaven is beholden to them for this reason or that reason or the other reason, the truth is here you have the closest earthly bonds. You have, therefore, the greatest earthly reasons for being able to get through to Christ. And Jesus repudiated them. Make sure you don't make the same mistake. Before I leave this, let me just ask you to take a moment to consider. For this, to me, is a poor tempt of an even more awful day. You see, these people had opportunity to repent, and they did repent. They had opportunity to get right with God, and they did get right with God, I do believe. But here is a poor tempt, at least, of that day that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 7, that he spoke about again in Matthew chapter 25, when people will come before the judgment bar of God and they will plead that they belong to the family of God and he will repudiate them. I don't know you. I can think of no greater tragedy, greater even than this, for this was temporary. No greater tragedy than for people to be going out to meet God and they're basing their hopes for heaven on a false foundation and they're hoping to be received only to be repudiated by God Almighty and by the Son of God Himself to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Depart. Your name was on that church roll, but I don't know you. You are baptized as a baby, but I don't know you. You are immersed as an adult, but I don't know you. You sat and drank at the Lord's, eat and drank at the Lord's table, but I don't know you. You took my name, but I don't know you. And I don't recognize you, and I don't receive you. There are people who think they're the family of God. And Jesus says, they're not my family. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak 
the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.